This is Rolling Rocks Radio with Jerry Armentrout, Cody Carter, and Scott Barker. Welcome to Rolling Rocks Radio, the podcast where we talk about jiu-jitsu, mixed martial arts, and anything else we find entertaining. I'm Scott Barker. He's Jerry Armentrout. Hey. Welcome to today's show. So, various and sundry today, um, it seems like Conor McGregor can't quit picking fights with the commentating crew. Yeah, I know, right? You're going to pick a fight with Daniel Cormier, who's got 150 pounds on you, who can literally pull you limb from limb. I mean, now he's arguing with Michael Bisbee, and I don't I don't know. It's just, it's almost like we used to talk about with John Jones, that he's just trying to stay relevant. That he knows he lost a lot of the shine after the debacle with Dustin Poirier, and he's just trying to stay relevant. <clears throat> and now there are people talking about that the next fight should be uh, McGregor and Jorge Masvidal because neither one are going anywhere. It's like Masvidal is like one good fight away from getting a, a rematch with Usman. I mean, yeah. yeah, he got smoked, but the first fight was a little more competitive. And I think and he second fight, yeah, he got beat up. But Jorge is still very talented, and it's not like they're old. I mean, these two dudes will no. do, you know, yeah, Usman slapped him, but, hey, it's, it's the fight world. Anything can happen. Well, and according to – a lot of this is usually get back, right? But Masvidal said, hey, I felt something in there that I can capitalize yeah. on our next time there. Now, whether Usman's the same guy, yeah. right, when they step in and that whatever it was that Jorge felt is still there, nah, that's kind of up in the air. But it, there's no reason those guys can't go again. And I don't see what the upside for Masvidal would be for taking on Connor. Just money. Honestly. If there's money, yeah, it's, but is people going to – are, are people going to pay like they used to for McGregor? Because a lot of a lot of the shine wore off with his attacking Poirier's wife and stuff, and it did for me. I'm, I'm not willing to pay if he's the main event. I'm not willing to pay for it because to me that was just below anything. I mean, fighting is fighting, but bringing the dude's wife into it, yeah, who's that's... been nothing but polite to you, is just it's, it's just too 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 bad for me. Well, did you hear the uh, the latest from uh, from Chael on uh, on the Connor deal? Mm-mm. So he he said, uh, you know, Connor had all those late night tweets that got deleted, and Chael was talking about, ah, you know, you only delete it if you don't, you know, if you don't want to see it. And somebody from Connor's team called Chael and said, hey, Chael, I can't believe you fell for this. And Chael's like, well, what are you talking about? He's like. We deleted it because we wanted to delete them, and we wanted people to see us delete them. Yeah. And Chael said, "You're going, and, and you Chael's Chael marks out, right? Yeah. He's he is a self-confessed mark. Yeah. So Chael's like, oh, this is genius. This is you know, this is amazing. It's it's Connor being you know on the ball all the time. And I'm yeah. like, dude, you've already admitted to being a mark. I don't yeah. know. I think I don't know yeah. about that one. Yeah. Drunk, you know." And carrying on and putting stuff out he shouldn't is what he did. Yeah. More than likely. And someone was – probably his wife was going behind him clearing him. I'm telling you, there needs to be a – there needs to be a Connor cell phone uh, curfew where somebody yeah. walks by and snags his how – many, how many proper 12s is he in two? Yeah. Okay, give me the phone. Yeah, give me the phone. You, you, the, only, the only piece of electronics you can operate is the TV remote. No iPad, no cell phone, no laptop, no nothing. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's, yeah. I, I, I mean, out of, out of just my self awareness, if I, if I pour a second drink, I cut my phone off and put <laughs> it in the other room. I, yep. Because I know if I sit there and have a second or a third glass of whiskey, I'm gonna start tweeting or putting something out there shouldn't be. Yeah, like that episode of the podcast yes. we had to redact. Yes, I, I I will get. I've I have found out the next morning. I've gotten a mini uh, Instagram or Facebook <laughs> argument with some somebody over something simple. <clears throat> so um, also, so some good news in the jujitsu world. We've been we've been kind of inundated with bad news over the last couple of weeks, but we got some good news um, in the jujitsu world last night. Yes, yes, um, that, that this is a cool story. This is a really cool story. We now have the first female Brazilian jiu-jitsu coral belt. Yvonne Duarte uh, was promoted uh, the other night 
um, by C CBJJF um, fe Federation to their first female coral belt. That's pretty outstanding. So that's a that's a really cool story. You can find that on Jiu-Jitsu Times and, and you know all the other uh, outlets um, well, I mean, on the if internet. You, if you want good, if you if you want want good stuff about Jiu-Jitsu, just look up Henry Gracie and his bullying programs. Yeah, I mean, yes, we have the stuff we talked about last week. We'll probably get into some more this week with Fight Team and and Cyborg and them and all that crap. But then you you got the other guys like. Henry Gracie and all these guys that go out of their way to make to do. I mean, even it's it's a joke, but you think about the Diaz brothers as wild as they are, and they give they do a lot for the community and children and jujitsu. Yeah, I mean, hell, uh, the lead singer of Godsmack opened gyms in inner cities uh, to get kids off the street and learn boxing. So I mean, there's a lot of good stories out there. We just you tend to only see the bad ones. Yeah. The, 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 you, well, the, the old news cliche, yeah. right? If it bleeds, it leads. Yep. I mean, that, it, it's, that's, more, that's more accurate now than yeah. it was you know, back in the 50s or 60s whenever that, that came up. That was kind of developed. Um, we've got all these news feeds and different sources of information, and it's all bad news, yeah. man. You've got to go looking for the good news. That's... That's when stuff gets frustrating. Yeah. Um, so we had, we also had some fights last night. Yeah. Um, I managed to watch the preliminary card before I turned into a pumpkin and went to sleep. And Jerry didn't care enough to watch. So uh, nothing against any of the fighters. I just I had some complications going on in my life, and I just by the time I finished handling some outside stuff, I was just I wasn't interested enough to turn it on. I guess you'd say. There no no one on that card except for maybe Clay Guida even kinda of excited. I mean, the main event I just didn't see where it really mattered. It's kind of a out there. I mean, the I think they were just trying to fill a fight card. I like Kevin Gauselum, but I don't really I'm not a big fan of Jared Cannonier and it was it really doesn't mean much because neither one of them are going to get a title shot anytime soon. They act like this is the next fight will be for a title. Both those guys, Gaslam lost several fights in a row. He's got a long road, and Cannonier, he can't. He he struggles to beat anybody in the top five. So I just didn't really get excited about it. I guess. Yeah, and, and like I said, I can I can definitely see that that opinion of the fights there there on the prelim card that i saw there was a couple of interesting fights um the bay maliki versus uh josean nunez fight that was a pretty nutty fight because um it came in at bantamweight um maleki was 510 and yes, nunez yeah. was 52 yeah and i mean she was um nunez was a good head and a half shorter than than maleki but I tell you what, man. Nunez put on a clinic because she pressed her. She, she Nunez pressed Malecki up against the fence, wouldn't let her off the fence, stayed inside, and just beat the living snot out of Malecki. And everything Malecki did, Nunez was so close she couldn't develop any power. Yeah. She tried to throw a head kick. Malecki was so, or uh, Nunez was so close it whiffed right over the top of her head. She couldn't get her range right. As soon as they stepped off the cage, Malecki used her reach to, you know, keep her to, to keep Nunez back, but Nunez would just push her right into the cage again and 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 start teeing off on her. And Nunez hit a beautiful over the top left and turned Malecki's lights out yeah. with like six seconds to go in the round. Yeah, I saw the highlights of that. Yeah, she dropped her. That was a that she was, was already a good wobbly fight. when she dropped her. I mean, she already looked about like she was about half done. Oh, she, she hit her with that shot. She took headshot after headshot because Nunez just kind of ducked her head down and just she knew that head was up there, so she just kept swinging for it. Um, the the Brian Kelleher uh, Domingo I'm gonna mess this guy's name up Domingo Piarte 
Um, that was a pretty good fight. That was kind of interesting. Piarde came on early in the round, um, but it ended up going decision to Brian Keller. Um, the Austin Lingo Lewis Saldana fight, that one was actually really interesting. Um, they, uh, they started off, and uh, Saldana was looking more aggressive. He was landing more shots, but then he, um, he threw a straight kick up the middle and kind of bounced it off Lingo's elbow and hurt his ankle. So um, he couldn't really plant correctly to punch or kick for the rest of the fight. And uh, Lingo caught him with some nasty body shots and set him down a couple times with some really nice liver shots. Um, it ended up going to a decision, but it was definitely one of those where the way the fight started and the way the fight ended was completely different. Um, and then, like I said, I turned into a pumpkin and didn't catch the main card. Um, I agree that, you know, Gastelum is a dangerous dude. Yeah. Um, the thing is, it, he's got good wrestling and he's got good striking. But every time he's been successful is when he ties those two things yep. together. It, if he only concentrates on his wrestling or he only concentrates on his striking, he doesn't have as good a success. So... You know he's got to figure out how to tie those two skill sets together. Because when he does that, he 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 does really well. He wins. I mean, he had a, he had a good fight against Israel. Yeah, but it, it, I mean, but he's I don't I just don't see him being like they they try to build this fight as the next title contender. It's like no, nah, there's a whole lot. Sorry, whole lot of guys ahead of them that are you know get title shots. I mean Costa probably be a better rematch because he got embarrassed and he's he's remembering that and the thing about Gastelum is that the thing about Gastelum that people forget is how young he is. Yeah. He's he was the youngest competitor on the Ultimate Fighter yeah. process when he came through. He was like he was like seventeen or eighteen when he went through the Ultimate Fighter. So He's still got oh, yeah, he's a got number of good years on him. But I was like, you know, they're, they're like, oh, yeah, this is for the you know, contender. It's like, uh, I just – and I'm sorry. Jared Cannonier versus Israel doesn't excite me. No. And Gaslam versus Israel, you know, I'd watch it, but – I'd rather see Whitaker against yeah. uh, against Izzy again. Well, out of, what, out of those that's three. What, that's what I'm waiting on. Izzy just beat up Melvin Vittori. Mm-hmm. Whitaker won his last fight, so I and Paula Costa's got a fight I think in September, so it's either going to be Israel versus Costa or Whitaker, or it's going to be Whitaker versus Costa, and the winner gets Izzy. If you look at because Izzy's had a couple has a busy has had a pretty busy schedule, he might take a little bit of time off. Yeah, if you look at Gaslam's um, record, the only win he's had since 2019 uh, is against uh, Ian Hinesich. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he lost to Herman He lost to Cannoneer. He lost to Whitaker. In 2020, he lost to Jack Hermanson. Mm -hmm. 2019, Darren Till and Izzy. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. The, la the last win he had before that was against Jacare Souza in 2018. Yeah, that was what put him – him being Souza that night is what made him kind of a, a name because he did really well against Jacare. But, dude, you're going against a 40-some-year-old Jacare. It's not like you're fighting a 20-some Jacare. Yeah. And uh, I just – Gaslam is – he's well, – he'll probably be with the UFC for a while, but he's not a he's not going to be a, a top-three contender. And Cannonier – He's just I – I, I mean, I understand they're trying to hype the fight, but he – I see him – he'd get knocked out by the top guys again. I mean, he just – he doesn't have enough to run with those bigger guys. Yeah, I mean, if you look at – the bigger at, names, not necessarily the bigger guys. Because Cannonier's a big big boy. Yeah, he's he's a big boy. I mean, boy, he fought at heavyweight. I mean, he lost to Whitaker – Cannonier lost to Whitaker in 2020. Yeah. Um, you know, he – 
yeah, he got over on Jack Hermanson and Anderson Silva in 2019, but, you know, Silva was kind of – Going on his way out. I mean, yeah. he retired soon after, and Hermanson is – Hermanson's Hermanson. He doesn't move well. He's a guy who takes a lot of punishment. Yeah. And if he doesn't submit you – if he doesn't get a good submission, he normally loses by decision. Hermanson's just, you know, he's that guy that he's interesting to watch fight because he's a – he'll get bloody – but it's just Cannoneer doesn't have a resume. It no, doesn't not, excite. There's just like, oh, that's boring. Don't care. Yeah, that. I think you're right. They were probably looking to fill a card, but I mean, yeah, it, it was it was good. You know, if you're if you're a fan of the fight game, right, and you like yeah, the prelims, I mean, I, there, there's there's talent in the prelims. I play. I had every intention of watching it, but then other stuff came up throughout the day, and it's just like. And I'm not gonna get the chance to watch them. It happens. And then we had storms roll through my neighborhood, and yeah. you know, since you know, I had you know, I had to deal with that. So we had the TV off for a while, and then I had other things to deal with. And by the time everything rolled out, it was like, oh, man, I just really don't care about this main card enough to stay up late to watch it when I knew we were getting up to come in here and do coffee and chokes. It happens. Well, you got anything else for uh, various and sundry today, Jerry? No, not really. I mean, yeah. well, we've got a. Uh, uh, you got some good fights coming up. You've got Misha Tate just got confirmed for her next fight. It's going to be a uh, main event in October. Uh, Kyla Harrison in PFL is just, just, again, just on a rampage, just drawing everybody. She's got another first round knockout. Uh, she's getting ready to fight. She's in the finals again for a million dollars. So I could see her going. Bellator first. Her coach is not sure if she's ready for the UFC yet, but if she keeps destroying people in the PFL, it's going to be hard not for Dana not to want her because she's legit. I mean, she's she's a little rusty right. You know, she's she's got some learning to do overall, but I think she'd be a dangerous fighter. Uh, and then Gable Stevenson, the uh, Olympic gold medalist, uh, heavyweight wrestler. From America, America. He, he was doing his little tour this week. He he was at Bellator's event. He was at uh, wrestling. He was at WWE stuff. Uh, he talked to Dana. So there's a whole lot of interest in that young man, and I more power to him. Uh, if he wants a long career, WWE is probably gonna be it. I mean, Kurt Angle is still hanging around. Got guys, you can make a long, longer career there than you are. And uh, if you have a bad showing in the UFC or Bellator and you get knocked out, uh, you're you're not going to be as popular. Uh, but you know, that's he, he worked his ass off to get that goal. So I'm I'm happy for him that there's that much interest in him, that he's going to be able to train. You know, all that hard work his entire life, he's going to be able to support himself with. I mean, even if he takes a fight or two. I mean, Ben Askren did well. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of guys have. Uh, and speaking of that, Ric Flair, 72 years old. Woo! Still, still get back in the ring this week. That's awesome. Was throwing some chops. Was throwing them, throwing them Flair chops on people. He actually made uh, the walk with his uh, future son-in-law. Uh, another pro wrestler is marrying his daughter. And uh, he actually accompanied him to the ring on his title defense. And got involved in the match, of course which he did. is awesome. When you're seven, when Flair's 72, and he's battled some, he's been sick, and he he recovered, and he's looking good. He's out there, pump, still up out there getting after it. He looks better now than he has in a long time, and uh, he was out there chopping people. That was that was legit. Uh, he's entertaining. He's one of my one of my all time heroes. So, pro wrestling versus MMA. And longevity of career, and pro, pro wrestling. I Ooh. mean, think about. I'm sorry, pro wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Think about how long guys like Flair's been doing it since before I was born. Uh, Arn Anderson's still around. Yeah. Uh, you've got the Undertaker who just recently completely quit. Uh, you've still got. I mean, these dudes have been getting after it forever. I mean, I saw the Rock and Roll Express a, a couple of years ago, and they're still wrestling. Yeah. And they're old as shit. So. You take, I mean, Jake the Snake Roberts. I mean, 
a lot of these guys, unless they have health issues and die early, they they can you you can see these guys with 50, 60 year careers. There was there was like this. You've got those guys, right? You've got the we'll call them the golden age yeah. guys, right? You've got the newer guys that seem to be taking care of themselves. There was that that midline or that that middle point, right, where you had the guys like Chris Benoit yeah. and Brian Pillman and those guys, right, who were having Ed Guerrero the, and all those, yeah, who were, were having the problem with the the with the painkillers and all that, you know. Well, I, you, I mean, I if y'all want if if our fans want to, I mean, if you got like three and a half hours and you want to listen, look up Jake the Snake Roberts' interview with. With Joe Rogan, with Rogan. Yeah. and he, he will lay that shit out for you the best I've ever heard. I mean, they all got books too. Diamond Dallas Page. I mean, I think a lot of these younger wrestlers are learning from guys like DDP who take care of themselves. I think you're right. I mean, he's in, he does he has his his DDP yoga. He has strength training. He's clean. He believes in the clean life. So I mean, he, the only reason Jake the Snake is still alive is because DDP let him live with him, and he made him get clean. Yep. He's like, you can live here. But you're gonna be clean, and it, it saved his life. I mean, you've got for longevity of like career. I think you, you you'll have a longer career in pro wrestling if you're a name, if you're a big name, whether mm-hmm. you're a good guy or a bad guy, you have a bigger name compared to MMA, where a lot of these guys. I, I looked up somewhere. I think the the average lifespan of a, of an MMA career is like two years. Because you get hurt one real bad, unless you're a huge name, run real, one real bad injury, yeah. you're not getting paid, and you can't afford to continue. You you know have to heal your knee, you're paying for it yourself, and you end up with just getting a job and you never make it back. Yeah, that is true. I, I wonder what the long term, like post career survivability is, right? No, I mean Mark Coleman, Dan Severn, all those guys yeah. still run around. I mean. I, I mean, I guess it's no different than football or anything else for MMA. And pro wrestling is the same. Pro wrestling would probably be along the same kind of uh, danger as uh, football players because yeah. all the bumps and drops, even though it's staged, you're still hitting your head. You're still getting slammed. You're still falling. You're still taking damage. I mean, these guys, a lot of people understand that you, you might watch a Monday night show or a Friday night show. These guys are still touring, and they're doing House shows, five yeah. shows a week. Cause just because you see them on one of the big-name networks one day a week, they're out here hustling, doing small shows. A lot of these same guys bounce back and forth between from different shows, and they'll do a small-town show on their way to a big show. Like, I'm going to stop in and do this show, this show, before I get here. And then we're driving back here, so, okay, there's this show and this show I can do. You know, and some of these guys, I mean, they're in a, you know, it takes you a long time to make any money. I mean, some of these guys only get, like, 50 bucks. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. not a lot. Yeah, you get fifty bucks to show up. So um, on the on the pro wrestling angle, um, I did watch the uh, the first episode of Heels last week. Um, it's going to be an ongoing show. I think uh, stars. It's got the same guy who plays Bjorn on Vikings. Um, really, really interesting show. The first one was really good. I think it's got a lot of promise yeah. to be a to be a fun show if you kind of want to mix Game of Thrones with uh, uh, Lucha Underground. It the inside of the ring. I mean, yeah, it's supposed to be out in like small country yeah. Georgia, but the inside of the the way the ring is set up, it looks a lot like the set from Lucha Underground. Mm-hmm. Um, so it uh, it looks like an OECW. It does. It arena. really does. The way they have the rafters and stuff when they're practicing, it looks like an old ECW event. Yeah. Like the early days of ECW when they used to go to like Richmond College and stuff. And yeah, you know, it's fighting, in a warehouse. Yeah, you're somewhere. fighting in a warehouse and you're just, and they're grabbing shit from people in the audience to really hit each other with. But <clears throat> it was a good, it was a good show. I'm looking forward to seeing how it, um, how it continues to mature. There's a, there's a, a, a guy in there who is like, dead on a Jake Snake Roberts kind yeah, of, yeah, kind of guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a good story. I think the story's going to be good, and the, the acting is, of course, you know, always good stars. Oh, When they come out with a show, they always you know, do a really good job with casting and whatnot. It's, just, it's strange to listen to the guy who plays Bjorn talk with the South Georgia accent. Yeah. Come on, brother, I'm going to be the champion. You're like, 
what? Yeah, what happened here? It's a little strange. Yeah. But uh, good, good show. Everybody ought to check it out. It's you know, again, we're not sponsored by Stars, but it's if you're in the same kind of mind frame that Jerry and I are in, I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Um. All right. Anything else? No, that's, that's it for now. All right, man. We will hear from episode eleven special guest Matt Warner. His novel Empire of the Goddess. We'll be right, right back. My name is Thomas Dillon. You may know me as the man who supposedly killed his own son to collect insurance money. The truth is my little boy, Walter, was abducted by a religious cult. They took him to a parallel world, to an America run by religious fanatics and plagued by disease. I know because I've been there, and I found my son. It's a place of magic and malice and ignorance, where faith healing is medical care and government enforcers dress like Klansmen. Now, I know I sound crazy, like this is the plot of a dystopian dark fantasy novel that would appeal to fans of Neil Gaiman. And indeed, that's how I had to get my story out, by teaming up with writer Matthew Warner. He published my first person account as a novel called Empire of the Goddess. Publishers Weekly called it quick-paced and intriguing. Can you believe that? But he let me record the audiobook, because only I can tell you my story, and it's going to blow your mind. Look for it on Amazon and at MatthewWarner.com, Empire of the Goddess. And we're back. All right, so Jerry usually does like the rants or whatever, but I, I got something that got into my head the other day and I'm, I'm a little annoyed we uh on the last show we talked about the the fight sport situation with cyborg and wagner and the the allegations of sexual assault not just the the most recent one but the one from a couple years ago during the retreat down to brazil yeah and um you know, as this has continued to come out you know more and more stories come out and you you know you hear about these things from time to time in the martial arts community, just like you hear about it in other communities, right? In businesses and in other areas, right? Things like this come up, but because of what's going on with fight sport, right? There's a, there, there's a spotlight shining on the jujitsu community. Um, and it's not a good spotlight, right? We, Jerry and I have, have waxed non-poetically on this yes. podcast multiple times about, um, you know, how we believe that building a gym culture is very important, how we think that we have a very good gym culture at, at our gym. And I, I had originally thought for Jiu-Jitsu Corner for this week's show that we could talk about what um, a gym owner and what teammates should do to build a gym culture that is welcoming and hospitable for females. Because on Tuesday, or sorry, on Thursday of this week, we had a new female student come into the gym. And I hope she had a good time. She seemed like she had a good time. She was smiling when she left. Yeah, she was smiling when she left. So but I'm, I also paired her up with another female uh, that we've had for a while. That way to make her feel a little more comfortable with what we were working on. So, I mean, it was her first class here and. She's a smaller female, and I didn't want her to get overwhelmed by having, you know. So I, I tagged her with one person the whole time, and it worked. It Which was like a it great well. move. Um, but so, you know, I sat down, and I started thinking about this subject about, you know, because we've had, you know, we had Talay Aldis on. We had Little Savage, you know, Liz, uh, Liz Cap on back early um, in, in the podcast. And, and I sat down, and I was trying to come up with, you know, ways that, that we can make the, the jiu-jitsu environment more conducive to attracting and keeping female students. And the more I worked on this document, the more pissed off I got because what I realized I was writing was an article on how to not be a scumbag. Basically. Uh, I, I mean, you know, it's like Treat them with respect. Well, yeah, no shit. You should treat them with respect. You know, pair. You know, everything that I came up with was don't be a scumbag. Yeah, this is not hard. 
It's very simple. If you want to have a, a, a if you want to have a gym environment that is conducive to female students, treat them like your wife or your daughter. I'm sorry. Treat them like your daughter or your sister. There we go. Yeah. Treat them like your daughter or your sister. This is not hard. Don't be a scumbag. Yeah. Don't put yourself in a place where don't put yourself in a place where your actions can be brought into question. question. Yep. And don't make them feel uncomfortable. This is not hard. I mean, jujitsu is a difficult position because there's a, a majority of what we do is going to make some people feel uncomfortable no matter what. But there's ways to limit that. I mean, have fun. And yes, there's positions that are weird. But I've quickly found out that if you make if you make the environment comfortable and they feel safe, they're not going to think anything other than "oh, suck." This position sucks. Not what is he doing? Is he doing something wrong to me? It's more of, oh, God, I got to get out of the position. That sucked. There's no other thinking there. And there's just, I, you know, and you should literally get to a point to when you're rolling with somebody, and if you're, especially if you're a male rolling with a female, you shouldn't be thinking of them as a female. You should be thinking of them as another drill partner, as another teammate. And they should be comfortable enough when they're rolling with you that no matter what you pull off or what you touch, you know, if you're in mount and you go for, you know, the old fat, the arm bar from mount, and you have to push down on the chest and spin around, they're not thinking you're trying to cop a fill. All they're thinking is, oh, dude, he's about to get me in an arm bar. Yeah. I better start defending, you know, and stuff like that. That's that's where it should be. It's just literally as you're rolling, it should just be natural, and the female shouldn't be concerned about what you're doing, and you shouldn't be concerned because you two, you, you, you've you never done anything inappropriate to make her think you're doing anything inappropriate. Mm -hmm. I mean – when I'm rolling with Liz or rolling with any some, you know, Lindsay or Olivia, I, it, I just roll. You know, it's like, you know, you're just rolling. It's no, nothing to it. It's a, it's a spar. If and it's a new, if it's a new student yes, or somebody yes. that I haven't worked with before, like especially with the fire pole arm yeah, bar, right? Yes. Because the hand placement for that technique is a little specific. Yeah. I will, and we did Talk this. Talk about it. Yeah, we, I did this Tuesday, you know, or Thursday. You know, I, we were demonstrating. I had a, We had a female student. I was in mount. I was going to do this. But I had never worked this technique yeah. with her. So I said, hey, are you cool with this? She said, yep, all right, no problem. Go yeah. do it. But, you know, that's because it was the first time I'd worked yeah. with her. And it, we had a new student, right? So we're trying to, um, you know, we're, we're trying to make sure that everybody's comfortable with what's going on. But, you know, once they've been here for a while, don't make it weird either right so yeah I just like i said i was sitting down to to try to come up with this this topic for this week and the more i the more i worked on it the more i wrote the angrier i got because yeah. it really was don't be a scumbag and it, it shouldn't be like this you know jujitsu is an art for everybody everybody should feel comfortable and and you know find a team and have a home and have a have a family which i you know i think we are um yeah it just it it's an it's aggravating and infuriating that there are people who don't follow that simple rule don't and, be a scumbag and there's people that literally they're going to the gym and they they see a female a new female student as dating potential it's like dude that's not what they're there for man so that, that leads into Barker's rule of business. So Barker's rule of business is very simple. Don't shit where you eat. Yep. And, and this and you know this goes for work work, it goes for jujitsu, it goes for the gym, yep. it goes for any anything like that. If you've got an invested interest in an air, in a particular thing, right? You've got an invested interest in your work because you go there, you work, they pay you money so you can go do all the stuff you really want to do, right? You're invested in your jiu-jitsu gym, right? You've got a yep. team. That team is based on the, the core part, the core function of the team or, or the core thing that makes the team work is you all trust each other, right? If you have a an athletic gym, whatever, you know, somewhere you go pump some iron, you sling some weights, same deal, yep. right? Don't shit where you eat, man. Don't bring that stuff into these sacred spaces that we have. Don't bring that drama into these sacred spaces. Um, you know, I have seen, and I'm sure Jerry has too, you know, 
two co-workers get involved with each other and it never I have never seen a situation end well okay I I, 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 I can argue that because I'm married to mine for 20 years yeah you met there but it, yes we we met at my, my wife we met at work but we really didn't start we didn't really get involved until she was um, leaving the company that we worked for and we started dating I think she was only there I think she was literally on her two weeks or three weeks she was going out when we started dating so it wasn't she wasn't going to be there so a little different yeah but, but still yeah that, but yeah I've never really seen it work uh, I've seen people who were together when they you know or had a different work for the same company but in different aspects you yeah. can pull it off because they don't work together day to day and but yeah I've never really seen I've seen some dark shit when people yeah. start dating and then they bring it into work and it's like I got nothing for you I mean what y'all do outside of outside of this place is none of my concern and if you two are fighting outside of here don't bring it to work it, it's it's different when and it's different when you have a relationship before yeah. you start working together and then you start working together or if you have a, if you meet somebody at work and then after one of you have left you kind of pick up the relationship that's a little bit different than looking at your coworkers yeah. as the potential dating pool yeah. that never ends well like ever ever ends well no so you know that, that's yeah, Parker's I've, rule of business man don't shit where you eat I've I've uh, I've watched the, the you know I've, I've seen the shit shows it makes I've had to be you know involved in a few of them have to get people separated and move because it's like yeah this ain't gonna work they can they can be entertaining from a spectator yeah, standpoint but, but but yeah as a supervisor it's not as much fun no when you gotta deal with hurt feelings well and then when you've got supervisors dating their employees that's, that's yeah that's a big no no I've seen that and yeah that one didn't that one didn't end that's well like either. the military you're not allowed to date but so far below your rank so so it keeps it's to keep stuff like that from happening you know fraternizing amongst yeah amongst the troops. no no, frat, no no fraternizing um but anyway so yeah that's my mini rant today yeah. um don't be a scumbag this should not be you know it should not be that difficult it should not be that difficult if you're interested in hearing a more detailed discussion on the whole fight sport thing um, Justin Lesko and Mike Callahan did a really great breakdown yeah. of it on that jiu-jitsu podcast. Um, we'll throw the link in the show notes um, so you guys can go find it. Yeah, um, it's pretty good. That's a good podcast anyway. Um, both Justin and Mike are high-level jiu-jitsu competitors. Justin's a former uh, mixed martial arts fighter, and Mike is an active-duty police officer. So that they have a really great podcast. So, you know, after you listen to the new uh, episode of Rolling Rocks Radio, uh, flip on over to that jiu-jitsu podcast and yeah. check them out. Um, I don't know that I want to talk any really anymore about the fight sport thing. Just no. stuff continues to come up, and it's, it's it depressing. gets deeper, and yeah, it's it's getting depressing. Yeah, it's, it's depressing because it's like you, you follow some of these people, and you think, and but like someone put out last week and it's continuing to get shared is just because you have have a black belt don't mean you're a good person yeah so yep so um i guess we'll close on this just by saying if you feel uncomfortable if you feel like you're being threatened or stalked or or anything like that find somebody yeah more honestly find somebody outside the gym to tell um honestly you know don't be afraid to press charges. Don't be afraid to take it to the police. It is a violation of your rights. So, you know, don't be afraid to step forward and, and bring attention to what's going on. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that was depressing enough. Uh, you got anything else, man? Nah. Let's, we'll, we'll get to the seriously. We'll keep it kind of short this week. Yeah. All right. So, we're here from our sponsor, and we'll be back with Jerry's seriously when we return. Welcome back. All right, so now it's time for Jerry's Seriously. So the floor is yours, brother. So seriously this week, you know, it's not hard to even – it's hard to explain this because uh, 
after 20 years of trying to, you know, help Afghanistan, we've had troops there forever. You know, men and women have lost their lives and all this treasure and blood. And we literally just, for whatever reason, political, we abandoned them and that whole country is now gone. Uh, more and more stuff's coming out about why the army and the, you know, quit so easily for the Afghans. Uh, there are still some, some, some fighting. The commandos are still fighting. They're running a guerrilla warfare, but they don't have any support, so I don't know how long they're going to last. But beyond that, we're now, we've abandoned, there's at least 15,000 Americans that are still in that country that are civilian contractors, different things in, uh, that we haven't got out yet. Uh, the only toehold we have in the country is at the airport uh, that is completely surrounded. We get about six, they're estimating 6,000 Marines, but I don't know if it's that many. Uh, they're they're kind of dug in around this airport, but the problem is a lot of people are now not be able to even get to the airport. Uh, we did rescue 140-some people yesterday from a hotel nearby. They went in with helicopters and pulled them out. But, uh, I mean, I'm not going to get into the political, you know, and whether we should be there or not, we've been there a long time. It's more of the fact that we're leaving people behind. And we're leaving we, what we just talked about with women. We're going to leave these women that have now, have a, for the last 20 years, had freedom, got educations, were able to live a normal life. We're now leaving them in the hands of people that require them to cover their faces. They're not allowed to be outside of their homes without a male chaperone. They have no rights, no nothing. And this is what we're doing. As, an, as supposed to be the beacon of the world in America and women's rights, we're leaving these women to be used for whatever. And to me, it's depressing because, you know, it's not what we should stand for. <clears throat> we can't be in, we can't hold some, a country up forever, but <clears throat> they say that, but yet we, we do it other places. I mean, we prop countries up all the time. We give aid, uh, we give financial aid to a lot of countries around the world that without our financial aid and support, they would, they would capitulate. They'd fall apart. So this isn't the first time. And the idea of just having a small base there and it just be another deployment, but it keeps a region stable, would probably have been a good idea. Um, well, just by comparison, how long were we in? South uh, South Korea before they actually turned into a democracy. And we're still there. We're still there. We're still in that country. We're still in Japan. We have tons of bases throughout Europe. We're in the Philippines. We're, we're, we send lots of aid to South America, Mexico. It's what we do. It's what us some other NATO countries do as well. But it's what we do. And without our aid and support and presence, some of these countries would just collapse. South Korea would, would not be South Korea if we pulled all our troops and all our support. Uh, Israel, I mean, we support them. If it wasn't for us, they probably would have been overrun a long time ago because there's just so many enemies. So the idea of, oh, well, we just can't stay there. Well, but if the government asked us to either and it's just another deployment and just our mere presence and the mere threat of having gunships and air support keeps the Taliban terrorists at bay and this country can rebuild, you know, that's a good thing. You know, yes, it sucks, it's a deployment and it could be in a hostile region, but hell, people get stationed in South Korea, people get stationed in Cuba. We still got troops in Guantanamo Bay. I mean, this is who we are. This is what we do. And I'm not, I am nowhere happy with the idea of leaving uh, men and women behind. And the idea that you now have the Secretary of Defense saying, well, if they, you know, we only got a limited amount of time, and if they don't make it, they don't make it. It's like, uh, nah, man, you know. That's, yeah. That's not how this is done. You should have did a better job. If you were going to draw down and completely leave, you should have told these civilian contractors. A lot of these people are teachers, are, are f teaching people how they're, they're school teachers, professors. 
They're working with them on farming and different things. These are little civilians. They have no milit. They're not there for military reasons. They're there to help rebuild infrastructure, and now they're stuck. With and some of them have their families there because they've been living there mm-hmm. to help these people, and now we're just like, ah, yeah, well, sucks for you. That's not how we should see stuff. Yeah, and it's just, it's depressing, man. It's 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 highly depressing. It's scary to watch women throw their babies over our, throw their babies babies up into the air for our Marines to catch. Because they don't want they don't want their children to die at the hands of the Taliban, and you know. Well, and you can say whether or not it would have ended up this way. That that's an argument that that you can have now. You know whether you believe one side or the other is is valid is one thing. But the, the thing that blows my mind about this is one that yeah you know. Millie says something effective. Ah, well, you know, we're we got like thirty days, you know, fifteen days or whatever. The other thing that drives me crazy is the material that was left behind. I mean, there's yeah. and you can joke, right? Ha ha! You know, these eighth century barbarians now have Blackhawks. They'll never figure out how to fly them. My ass. Yeah, I, I'm the. I my wife asked the same thing, and I told her point blank. I said, you know how many uh, disgruntled. American veterans there are that for the right amount of money will go over there and fly their helicopters for them. I mean, money's money. To a lot of people, <clears throat> there's a whole lot of, there's a lot more mercenaries out in this world than you think about. Mm-hmm. And flying that helicopter is a skill, And but there's a lot of guys that for the right, I mean, we have American veterans who go run drugs for cartels. Well, so it's, it's not, it's not above means to go fly helicopters for the Taliban. I mean, people are people. Well, and just think if like one or two pilots yeah. from the Afghan side flip sides. And uh, how and how many of them have? Oh, how many yeah. of them's like, you know what? Yeah, we're we're going to be losing sight of this. I'm just going to go ahead and swear allegiance to this group now because it's just what we do. Well, yeah, they've got to figure out how to survive, right? But they but they also have a different mindset than we do. And I'm not yes. it's not bashing them. They're if a lot of these guys were nowhere near their homes, so why are they going to fight to the death? When they're nowhere near their homes, if they were near their village, some of these army units probably would have fought harder, and some of them did. The the guys that were defending their own villages fought hard and defended. But when you've got guys thousand miles from their home, and they no longer have American air support, no longer have American leadership, they fell apart. Well, and and, and, and the Afghani the Afghani army, you know, regardless of what you're hearing on the news, was losing fifty to seventy thousand troops a year in yeah. these. Yeah. In, in these conflicts with the uh, with the Taliban, right? They were holding the, the Taliban back. They just didn't have, now they don't have the close air support, they don't have the facts, they don't have the intel, because that's what, and they don't yeah. have maintenance for, yeah. their, for their gear, because that's what, that was our part of the deal, right? So, uh, try not to get too political, but this is a yeah, logistics we, thing, so. Would you send, you know, Two or three Americans out with a whole unit, you know, with a unit of Afghanis. So we would just advise them and teach them. They were doing the fighting, and the idea of oh now we gotta leave. Why? I mean, no, I don't, I'm not. We don't need to take their country. But if they're asking us for this kind of support, <sighs> sorry, excuse me. We should be doing it. We should be. Hey, let's just continue to offer our support. We've got three times the amount yeah. of troops there now yeah. than yeah. was our constant level of manpower yeah. over the last couple of years. We haven't lost a person. We haven't lost an American soldier in Afghanistan for almost two years. I mean, we've had people wounded but not killed. Yeah. Not not in uh, – there's been several, several accidents, but I don't think anyone's been killed in combat. Yeah. We've had no combat-related casualties. And yeah, so just this idea that yep, well, you know, we're just gonna walk away, and now there's just and we're not and, and we're not getting any kind of straightforward answer. It and it's you get a lot of back and forth, and a lot of guys, a lot of women, just feel like what they did and what they sacrificed was for nothing now. And there's a lot of them uh, t- uh, Afghans that helped us, a lot of interpreters, a lot of workers, and they're being executed because they worked with the Americans because they were working for a better country and a better life and now we've sacrificed them and 
it hurts it hurts our standing and it hurts our image because what other country is going to trust us to have their back we have been the over the last probably 30 years we've been the worst ally i mean we screwed over the kurds we screwed over the we screwed over the uh um the afghanis now i mean have we have we really done any of our allies any you know, we screwed over the Lo- the, the Loatians, um, you know, during that whole thing. Uh, you know, we we've not been a good ally. We ain't doing a whole lot for the Ukrainians either. No, anymore. we're kind of leaving them out to die. Instead of sending them guns, we sent them blankets. Well, we 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 didn't do shit for Hong Kong. No, nah, we let them fall. Yeah, Taiwan's looking a little sketchy right now because China's looking around and going, hmm, we walked right into Hong Kong. And if we push really hard on Taiwan, is this president really going to do anything? And actually, apparently, the Chinese diplomat told Taiwan Taiwan that. They're like, yeah, you think America's going to help you now? So, yeah, this, this creates more instability. It doesn't make us safer. It makes us unsafe. Because now people are like, well, America's not that strong anymore. Now, now's the time to do stuff. Plus, now those guys are, we're not there to keep them locked in that country. Now they're free to just come over here. And nine, 20 years of 9-11, 20th anniversary is right around the corner. Well, and you've also got not only is it the, the, the folks coming out of Afghanistan, right? It's who fills the power vacuum, yep. right? Does... Because now, right, Iran, they can just come right in. Russia, China, right, any of our, even if you discount the big ones, right, even if you don't think about China and Russia, right? Well, Russia probably won't because Russia has some bad history. Yeah, they, 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 they've still got a hitch in their giddy up from their last term in, in Afghanistan. Yeah. But, I mean, if you just look at any of, you know, the, the guys who are in Yemen, the guys yeah. who are in... Uh, like I said, Iran. If you look at even guys in the in the um, in in the Pacific area, right? You got Tamil Tiger. You got you know all of those Islamic offshoots down there in Pakaf, right? Yeah. It, it's a short boat ride over to Afghanistan. They can get in there. So not only do we have the problem of who's leaving Afghanistan, but we've got we also have no control over who comes in. So, yeah, it's a it, – again, it seems like there's nothing but bad news these days. Yeah, hopefully next week we'll have a better – we'll have something better to, to talk about. Well – My seriously, maybe it will be seriously good news. Yeah, may, maybe next year – maybe next week will be the, the Sunshine and Daisies uh, episode. Yeah. All right, Jerry, you got anything else for seriously? Nah, man, that's it. All right. So thank you very much for tuning in this week. We got a little bit of a short show, but none of us really watched the fights, and, and the, the topics are a little depressing this week. So the, uh, the main punchline for this week is don't be a scumbag. Yep. Um, so be sure to check out uh, that jiu-jitsu podcast. And uh, don't forget to check out our buddy Mike at Off Your Back, yep. BJJ. Um, he's getting ready to release the fall lineup. It's going to be slick. Uh, he's, Mike's been letting Jerry and I in on, uh, on some of the previews. It's, it's going to be awesome. So um, Mike's a good guy. He's, he's putting out good quality geese. So check out Off Your Back Jiu-Jitsu. You can find uh, the link to the social media and the website in the show notes. Yep. And until next week, I'm Scott Barker. He's Jerry Armantrout. Later. We're out. The music for tonight's episode was But I Am Shafts of Light by Mayeth from their album Wailing Village.